Welcome, welcome to the After 29 Podcast, a roundtable discussion between four brothers from diverse backgrounds about navigating everyday life after 29. On this podcast, no topic is safe, and our goal is to challenge the status quo on everything from social issues and relationships to politics, mental health, finances, and everything in between. Come join us as we explore these topics, discussing how they relate to and affect the black community. This is your After 29 Podcast. 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 What up, what up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the After 29 Podcast, Episode 7. Little Did You Know, Part 2. I'm Vincent Dunstan, a.k.a. Minister V. Let's go. This your boy, Malcolm Davis, Man of Steel. Clay Foster, big shoulder brother in the building. Ozzy Boone, happy to see another year. All right, guys, let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, Lord, we come to you again on this Friday evening, Lord, just to say thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing, all that you will do, Lord, and all that you have done, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for giving us a platform, Lord, just to discuss our issues and the things that are most important to us, Lord. We pray, Lord, that we reach someone um, with valuable information and that they may be encouraged, Lord, to go out there and to find their own path, Lord, because they come from greatness, Lord, and we just ask that people would just realize that and see it and realize that there is great in them, Lord. Um, We ask that you would just bless this podcast, bless this brotherhood, and bless our friendship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, y'all. Little did you know, some more um, inspirational and great facts that most of us have never heard or um you know or you know barely heard about why because our history isn't always given to us so we decided to go out and get the facts ourselves so we just want us to you know uh hit you with just a couple little known black history facts uh of course we already know we all know the we all know the greats they are great so we're not going to take away from their legacies the well-known ones dr martin luther king uh malcolm x marcus garvey rosa park coretta sky king betty shabazz uh um you know ladies like that and people like that you know we know their history and we know their legacies but we come from a vast greatness of innovators creators um you know entrepreneurs and just people who who did things that they get no credit for is not taught to us or anything like that so we're going to give just a few of them their moment to shine and we're going to commit it to them and we're going to teach it as well so um this episode we're going to focus on mathematics and literature because we have some great mathematicians out there and some great literary figures um so let's just jump right into it malcolm what you got so i'm gonna go ahead and hit you guys with this guy that um i didn't know anything about this guy his name is jesse ernest wilkins jr you can say he was the original Bruce Banner because he did a lot of um, he made the mathematical explanation for gamma radiation. So he was the original Bruce Banner. But I'm going to go ahead and give you a little bit more background because um, um, he attended the University of Chicago at the age of 13. Mm-hmm. So he was in college at the age of 13. He wow. got he earned his bachelor's, master's and a doctor's degree in mathematics at 19 yeah, years old so he's at 19 years old and you now he did all of those things yeah. um he made he uh, published papers in mathematics and also nuclear engineering um 
And he did the um he he made the mathematical explanation for gamma radiation. So I don't know much about gamma radiation other than Bruce Banner and Incredible Hulk, but this guy was the original <laughs> Bruce Banner because um he did uh and he also um he worked with a couple of Nobel Prize winners as well, um Eugene Widener. And uh, he also has some things called the Wilkins Effect and the Weiner-Wilkins Spectrum. So um, if you got a chance to look the guy up, his name is Jesse Ernest Wilkins Jr., a.k.a. Bruce Banner. <laughs> so I actually grabbed a mathematician who I was actually really intrigued by. Um, again, this was not something that I really knew about up until um, a few years ago. Um, her name came across, my, you know, came into our lives, uh, which is... Um, Miss Katherine Johnson, um, which a movie was made about mm-hmm. her. Um, the movie Hidden Figures starring uh, Taraji P. Henson, Octavia Spencer, Janelle Monet, and who else is in that movie? Um, dang, what's that girl's name that was in the help? I don't know. Them are the only three I know. Yeah, that's the only three I remember. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, so that movie that came out, <clears throat> um, you know, about them, and, and it was so it was so awesome to hear about these three ladies. And I'm only going to talk about, um, you know, Katherine Johnson. I mean, but every time you hear anything about the first spacewalk, all mm-hmm. you hear is the, the men the who actually, man. you know, yeah, the white men who actually, you know, walked on the moon, you know, you hear about Buzz Aldrin, Neil Armstrong and John Glenn. That's all you ever hear. You never hear about the people who got them there. Yep. So a little bit about Miss Johnson. Uh, first off, she was born in, um, um, she was born in 1918. Um, you know, she was an African-American mathematician. She worked for NASA from 1953 to 1986. Yeah, I was born because uh, I'm young. Um, you know, she was what they con- what they called a human computer. Um, that's just how great she was um, in math at the time, you know, uh, especially um, for for women, not to take anything away from it, but, but then women especially women of color weren't allowed to participate in a lot of things they Mm -hmm. definitely weren't you know um they definitely weren't really known to be in like places like nasa and stuff like that um but she she was born in west virginia um you know and and one of the things her biography talked about was that kind of like how uh malcolm and i we've just had a love for math Mm -hmm. just since an early age um but this lady here she was like the person you just talked about, Malcolm, she graduated yep. high school at 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And she graduated, she started college. No, no, no. She started high school at 10. She graduated, um, she graduated high school at 15 and went into college at 15 years old. Um, and she went on to study advanced mathematics. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, things like that. Um, so like I said, she always had like this knack for mathematics. Um and what it was, she actually stood out to one of her professors, which is a which is a white professor, um, uh, Doctor Claytor, and he said she he thought she was good enough even at her young age to do research math. Now we hear a bunch of like research, like with uh, science and medicine and things mm-hmm. like that, um, but he thought she would make a great research mathematician. And what he did was he actually recommended her to a program. And later on in life, she actually started working um, for the National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics (NACA), which later on becomes in the 1950s, later on to become what is known today as NASA. NASA really 
they hired women, but they didn't really hire them to do like a lot of the uh, actual like aeronautic jobs. So mm-hmm. they hired them to be, like I said, they were called computers. These people literally did the math computations to um, predict trage- you know, trajectories and, you know, how fast they needed to go and, you know, when they needed to start a descent to get them in the right spot, you know, on the moon and things like that. So, I mean, she was phenomenal and it was really intriguing to me because I love math. Mm-hmm. I am intrigued by math. I'm one of those people who don't understand how people don't get math. I'm like, it doesn't, it doesn't change. You know, math is a constant. Yep. Um, you know, but uh, I mean, it, I mean, it, it was, it was. Well, they really, try to change it with that new math thing. Man, I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> man, I'm trying to. I'd rather run ten miles. But it said, it said, like you know. So one of the things that you know. Um, you know, she did. Well, like I said, she she calculated when and where the rocket would have to launch. She also figured out, you know, um, when they needed to leave the Earth, you know, to get to the right spot. You know, so it, it, it was awesome. man. And it says in 2016, she received an honorary doctorate in science from West Virginia University. Mm. Um, and and West Virginia State University also gave her an honorary doctorate. Um, she did pass away. I want to say this was last year. She died after they renamed the uh, the NASA the NASA Center. Uh, I forgot where it is, but they renamed it in her honor. Um, and she. Yeah, she did die. She died last year. Um, she was 101 years old. Wow. Pretty dope. She passed. Yeah, yeah, so, she lived man, a full life. Um, yeah, man. I mean, that is, like I said, man, it's awesome that if it wasn't for these black women, we would have never reached the moon. We would have never went to space. Or yeah, got so, back. Yeah, or got yeah, back. Or got yeah. back. Yeah. 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 Never yeah. got back. Absolutely, man. That is awesome. So so I got I got a woman that I want to hit on to, man. Her name is Dr. Shirley Jackson. Mm-hmm. She was the first African-American woman to earn her doctor's degree in nuclear physics mm-hmm. at EMIT. I should have applied to MIT. I think I would have got accepted. <laughs> but um, she also invented the touch-tone phones. I remember my grandma used to have one of them rotor down one. Got to the numbers and stuff. It These kids these couldn't dial 911 on yeah. your board. I know, man. <laughs> it, it would take forever. She invented the touch-tone phones, the portable fax machine, call ID, call waiting, and fiber optic cables. Wow. wow. So awesome. all the stuff that we use now, you know, call ID, call waiting, and all those things that, I mean, we couldn't live without those things. But believe it or not, we used to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, before she invented the, those things, and um, could you imagine having a cell phone without call ID? Yeah, and I know. even fiber networks what? now, man. Are yeah. So yeah, yeah. I What's mean, because internet, fiber optics, and all those things, and um, so if you if if you out there cheating on your girl, then call ID got you caught. She is the reason why. <laughs> <laughs> She made it with that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> she she got you caught. You gonna learn today. <laughs> um, but she's still living today, man. So if you awesome. ever have an opportunity to um, check her out, her name is Dr. Shirley Jackson. Awesome, awesome. All right, um, let's dive into literature. Um, we didn't, we not like I said, we we weren't going to spend a lot of time in mathematics. We had some lot of mathematic greats, um, but let's jump into literary figures. We had some awesome black literary figures. The list there just goes on and on. I mean, we've read some of the best books, some of the best 
poems and mm -hmm. articles and you know they've done some of the uh they wrote some of the best plays right you know i guess so <clears throat> let's jump into some of those what you got who i found which was kind of by accident mm -hmm. like for me like i think like you know a lot of the the authors and things of the past are great mm -hmm. but they don't really resonate with me as much as like uh ta-nehisi coates mm -hmm. um i found him on accident because i was i've read like a it was a black panther um graphic novel that I was reading and like the way it was written just like the storyline and everything like you know it was just showing the conflict of the Black Panther being the Black Panther and being a king as well so it dove deeper into him having to be a king first and just the way it was like deliberately written and uh, the way the story progressed was cool so I looked up the the guy who wrote it I'm like who is this guy and then I found out he's like he's like really big like you know Oprah loves his books and stuff and um I read his book, um, two of his books. Called, mm -hmm. One of them is called Between the World and Me, which, I mean, if you're not a big fan of, like, reading books, they they actually have that on HBO now where you can you can watch it. And, like, it takes, like, it's a bunch of different celebrities, like, take like speaking on different excerpts from the book. Um, it's, it's really good. You should check that out. But the, the one that I, I liked the most was, um, it was his first book. When he was, it's called, um, but it was talking about, like, how he grew up in, in Baltimore, and he his he had like is him is like seven kids. His father had seven kids. It's like really talking about his father from his father's perspective of two growing up two boys who were a lot different. You know, um, Tana Hasi was you know smart and just, you know all about learning in school, but his brother was all about the streets. And just talking about how his dad I had to deal with like his two boys uh, growing up. So um, that was that was kind of really like cool me and too. my brother. So so yeah, like I, said, I stumbled. <laughs> <laughs> I stumbled upon them just from, you know, reading like a, a, comic, a graphic novel because um, things that resonate with me is like usually comic books, graphic novels. And, and like if I do read a book, it's usually like something about sales or self-improvement and stuff like that. So I don't really read like a lot of novels and um, like fiction and stuff like that unless it's mm -hmm. like comic book style stuff. But yeah, and, but yeah, you should definitely check him out because he's still writing the stuff now. He has a new book coming out. Well, I think it's already out. Um called a uh, water dancer it's like it's a it's a fiction book it's talking about it's like set in slavery times but they have like like some kind of superpowers or so i haven't read it yet uh -huh. but they got like superpowers so but it's like in slavery times that might be pretty so, dope yeah. i might have to cop that when it come out That's oh, yeah, um so for me um i have two but um we all know who this person is uh langston hughes so uh have a couple facts about him um First, uh, he was born February 1st, 1902. I think the same time Clayton was born, you know. Um, <laughs> Give or take a year or two. Okay, yeah, yeah, true that, true that. <laughs> but he was uh, born in 1902 in Joplin, um, Missouri. Uh, he had, uh, well, his parents divorced. His dad moved in Mexico, and his grandmother raised him until he was 13. Uh, he moved to uh, Illinois, uh, Lincoln, Illinois, to uh, live with his mom, and I guess her, was it boyfriend or husband or whatever, but anyway, besides that, uh, he graduated from high school, then he attended Columbia University in New York City. Uh, while he was there, he was uh, an assistant cook, uh, launderer, and busboy. Langston traveled to many places like Africa and Europe. Uh, in November, uh, November 1924, he moved to Washington, D.C., and uh, in 1926, he wrote his first uh, book of poetry, The Weary Blues. Mm. Uh, he finished his college education at Lincoln University. And in 1930, he, uh, he wrote his first novel, Not Without Laughter. He won the Har uh, Harmon Gold Medal for Literature. Uh, he was influenced, uh, was, uh, was biggest influence was Paul Lawrence, Dunbar, uh, 
Yeah, I'm sorry, Lawrence uh, Dunbar, Carl Sandburg, and Walt Whitman, especially uh, the world of jazz. He was a big, uh, he was really yeah, big into jazz was. and whatnot. So, um, and he wrote many novels, short stories, plays, and um, poetry. Um, and, you know, I mean, he has a lot of facts about him, but yeah, those are the main things that stuck out to me. So. He was also in, uh, integral in that Harlem Renaissance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, he, he spent a lot of time in New York. Mm-hmm. I mean, so he's revered as a great, I mean, he spoke at a lot of clubs and, right. and, um, and different, uh, venues in New York. And that was another way he got his name out there, um, just by speaking there. And they said that he would even like go on the streets and he would like just set up and he would just speak. To people like he would like um like recite some of his stuff and people right. would just gather around him and they were interested like they really wanted to know like who was this high yellow negro and what was he talking about you know um but yeah man uh and, i mean he's one of my favorites yeah. too man like yeah. definitely one of my favorites so um uh oh and the, the name of tony hossie coach's book first book was um the beautiful struggle of the a father two sons and the unlikely road to manhood is okay, yeah definitely cool. gotta look that up you know I, you know I mean it's always good to dive back into you know different uh things that we never heard of man I mean you, you just just hearing the stories about these people and the stories that they tell you know and you would you would be surprised on how well they resonate within us um so the literary figure that I actually um I chose is actually my absolute favorite um, author and poet, and I chose Dr. Maya Angelou. Mm-hmm. Um, you must be under a rock if you don't know who this <laughs> is. Now, the younger generation, some you know, some of them, I wouldn't expect them to really well, know. If she, you yeah. if you live in North Carolina, you definitely yeah, should know. Say, who she yeah. is. If you live in North Carolina, you should know who she is. But you know, I mean, like I said, some of the younger ones, some of them may not know who she is. But anybody, I would say at least probably twenty five and up you know who Dr. Angelou is. Right. Uh, she left a, she left a lasting remark. Um, I mean, mark on this world. So just a little bit about her. Um, of course, you know, she's a poet. She's an award-winning author. Uh, she's known for her most critically acclaimed, uh, piece of work was, uh, was her memoir. Um, I know why the cage bird sings. I have read yeah. that at least six or seven yeah. times. And I'm one of those people. I don't really, I'm not gonna say I don't like to read, but I, I do, I just don't always have time to, right. but I found time to read that over yeah. the years. And like I said, at least six or seven times. So, um, uh, but Dr. Angelo, um, she was born on April 4th, 1928, um, in St. Louis, Missouri. Like I said, she's a writer. She's a civil rights activist, um, you know, known for her memoir. I know why the cage bird sings, um, it made history as the first nonfiction bestseller by an African-American woman. Mm-hmm. And that was quite an accomplishment mm-hmm. given the oh, fact yeah. that in the literary world, you know, blacks, black men got their, their just due in the field, but women did not, mm-hmm. you know, they weren't taken serious. Cause remember up until a certain point, women weren't even allowed to learn to read and write, right. you know, up to a certain point. Um, it says in 1971, Dr. Angelou published a, a Pulitzer prize nominated poetry collection. Um, just give me a cool drink of water for I die. And I actually read that. 
Um, he says she later wrote the poem on the pulse of morning, which I've read that one as well. Uh, one of her most uh, one of her most famous works, you know, which she recited at President Bill, you know, she cited this at President Bill Clinton's um, 1993 inauguration um, when he was uh, first elected to the White House. Um, it says she's received, you know, she's received several honors throughout her career, including two NAACP Image Awards, um, an outstanding literary uh, work for nonfiction, and two thousand. 2005 and in 2009 she did die uh, may 28th 2014 here's an interesting fact uh, about my love for dr angelou one of her most famous poems uh, me and oprah winfrey shared this my one of my favorite no my absolute favorite poem of dr angelou has nothing to do with me it's about women and it's phenomenal woman i know it I could cite it word for word without reading it. That's how much I love that poem. And I could actually, and that I've, you know, I've read it just that many times. I'm not going to cite it tonight. <laughs> I'm not going to sit in the room with three dudes and cite phenomenal women. I mean, y'all are some phenomenal women though. No, you know, I'm, I'm married to a phenomenal woman. The same here. Absolutely. Well, I ain't married to one, but I did. Come, but I, right? Sucking up. Mm. Anyway, I'm not married to a phenomenal woman, but I did. I was born to a phenomenal woman. So, um, anyway, um, you know, so, (laughs) you know, so again, man, the importance of knowing these facts, man, how do they affect us? I think it's really important. Um, because I mean, I like to read things that I have things in common. So I like stories Mm -hmm. about, um, African history and, um, I like black heroes and those things as well. So, um, I think it's important to have black authors so they can write the stories of, 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 uh, of our people. Mm-hmm. Um, um, we, we go through different things than any other, um, nationality too. And, um, that's how we can express ourselves is through writing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like, and like, I think, um, when you read something, no matter what it is, like look up the person who wrote it. That, that's like with me, like, with, like I said, I was reading a black Panther graphic novel. I didn't know the author was a black man. And, um, and, you know, Malcolm speaking like on his experiences, I found, you know, more about his life experience, like reading through his, his other books and articles and stuff that, that he's posted. And, um, like he's really inspirational. Like he got HBO specials, uh, Oprah and Tom Cruise talks about his books and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So you, you never know, um, you know, someone that can inspire you um just by the things that you're you're interested in uh, you know like as simple as a comic book mm-hmm. so. yeah i mean the only thing i have to say is just that it makes you gravitate uh to the book more mm-hmm. i mean and uh, i mean that's how i felt about you know langston hughes and um another person lucille clifton i mean they, their work was uh very powerful and i looked at, and did the research and you know i loved what they did and what they brought about to uh, share with the world so yeah. absolutely um, I mean, for for me, it's it's a little bit it gets a little bit more personal. I've always loved writing, um, and even on the mathematics side of things, uh, like I said, why I found that so interesting is that I've always had a uh, love for math. Um, but that was just like on the academic side. Like I've I've always been good at math, so I've always liked it because it was just something that always came easy to me. Um, but as far as like literary works, I, I've I've written, I don't know, I've probably written like over 60 poems. Like I, I just sit and write, like I love writing. Mm. So, and when I studied the works of people like Dr. Angelou and, um, Langston Hughes, Paul Lawrence Dunbar, um, uh, Alice Walker, uh, I mean, just so many different people. Um, and then I've read some books, um, that I've, 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 
probably otherwise wouldn't normally would. I bought them as gifts for like my sisters. My sisters like to read. Um, like Carl Weber mm -hmm. um, writes really uh, fictional books uh, with black characters in them. And that was always one of the things that um, drew me to certain literary works because a lot of, remember the, a lot of the things we read in school there were no black characters in it. And if there right. were, they yeah. were like very few. Mm -hmm. So like oh, Malcolm man. was saying, like I couldn't relate to the story mm -hmm. for the most part because I was not represented, you know, in the storyline. But when I would read these people's works, it was almost like they wrote some of their work, especially like these poets. Um, you know, and I know Clay said that some of them didn't resonate because they were kind of like out of time. But then some of them, when I did read them, I was like, yeah, he was writing from a perspective of like maybe 50, 60 years ago. Mm -hmm. But I still feel like it was written just for me, mm -hmm. you yeah. know, for a lot of us. So, you know, like I said, man, some of those things they hit, you know, they really hit home, you know, so man, that, you know, so uh, it, it was just always it's always great to read something and be able to really place yourself mm -hmm. in the work of mm -hmm. it like I, I like yeah this does happen to me or you right. know like oh i have experienced that it's 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 hard to read something and be like Shh, man, you know i don't know and i mean that's why i gravitated to lucille clifton uh quite uh, quite a lot because she mainly dealt with uh uh family and yeah. you know living with my grandparents and just like seeing how they taught me um on how to you know raise your family and everything like that and when i read her stuff i mean it, i thought it was a bomb so yeah absolutely yeah um so you know knowing these things you know how have these things benefited or contributed to your outlook on life today well i think everybody has a story yes and um that's that's what i like uh, you know you read a book that's that's published in 1950 they you, mm -hmm. You're reading the stories of 1950. Mm -hmm. I wasn't there in 1950, mm -hmm. but through the books and the was. stories, now I can imagine it, how life was in 1950. Right. So I think that's what it's important um, to do. And um, a long time ago, black people, it was illegal for black people to, to learn how to read and mm -hmm. write and mm -hmm. to do math. So it's it's very important that we, we do this and teach um, the younger generation to do it. Because it wasn't always a, a option for some of our ancestors, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, like you know, like the things I read is usually one of two things. It's usually like, like comic books, something like that's very, very fictional. Um, mm -hmm. you know, with superpowers and stuff like that. You know, graphic novels and stuff like that. And then the opposite side of that, I usually read something that's, like I said, self improvement or or like biographical stuff. Like my boy uh, Eric Thomas E. T. Mm -hmm. I um I read his book, um. And it was called the the what's it called the secret for success, mm -hmm. and he was talking about you know if you want to be successful like he was talking about coming up you know when he was younger he was homeless and stuff like that, and he was like the secret to success is one that you know as bad as you want to breathe, mm -hmm. so it's just like lessons that you can learn from like even you know not even like self promotion but it's just like you know it's really more a biographical book but you can learn from his experiences and yep. what he went through. Um, and you can use some of that in your own life. Absolutely. You know, one of the, uh, like I said, I, I, I have an affinity for math and I, and I, and I love writing. Um, I do it all the time, believe it or not. Uh, I actually had started writing a book some years back, um, maybe a few years after high school. And, and again, this was, this, this stemmed from not being represented much, right. um, you know, from the literary works that we were required to read in school. So I, and now here's another thing, it's gonna sound a little petty. I also looked at a lot of the books that were written and there were no positive images to me about black men. All right. So the book that I started writing, um, 
the book that I started writing was about four black men, but it was more for a positive light. And it was about how they interacted with like relationships and work and just everyday life, pretty much the mission and the mission statement of the after 29 podcast. And this book kind of followed that. Now, don't get me wrong. They dealt with things like infidelity and cheating and being players and stuff like that. Uh, I must not be in that book. <laughs> I based the characters on you. <laughs> <laughs> but no. So, but I wanted to. I wanted to write a book, and um, I wanted it to be as realistic as possible. But I wanted it to show black men in a positive light. I wanted to show that black men do have jobs. Black men do have wives. They have families. They take care of their families. They go to school. They're smart. They don't just work on. They don't just work, you know, on at the corner store. You know, they they're, they're stockbrokers. One of the characters is a stockbroker. The other one is a lawyer. Um, one actually is an entrepreneur. He owns his own. Um, he owns his own gyms. You know, so different things that I wanted to do with these characters because these people are everyday black men because they do exist and how these uh, previous. Um, literary works, how they've benefited me and contributed to my outlook today, they showed me that, especially in a time where it was the hardest for these people to put these works out, to get recognized, to, uh, you know, to get the the due, you know, to get the honor that they were due. If you look within that greatness within yourself, man, there's no way that you cannot persevere. You come from greatness and they showed me that, man, if you just stick to it, it will happen. And we live in a time where it's a little bit more easy for us to do certain things. These people had to fight and had to struggle and had to do a lot to get to where they were. People like Dr. Maya Andrews, the first black woman to even really truly be recognized as a black, you know, author as a woman. So those things, they really helped me to like, just really, um, to just know like, man, I, I could do it if I really wanted to. And another thing that I would say, man, one of the things that a lot of black boys and girls were really robbed of was imagination. It's, it's hard to have imagination when, like I said, the stories don't reflect you. But like Malcolm was saying, like when I read these stories, man, I get lost in the storylines and in the books, man. I come out of my own life. Mm-hmm. I come out of my life and I can put myself in their stories and I really just lose myself in the characters. And it's so awesome that these black authors, um, you know, and these literary figures, whether it was fiction or nonfiction, even just reading a biography allows mm-hmm. you to put yourself back into a time when we before mm-hmm. our t- let me tell you something. I'm infatuated. I, 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 I am. It's just something about that whole Harlem Renaissance era. I mm-hmm. wish I was born back then, man. I felt like that was awesome. I'm pretty sure it had its trials and tribulations. I know it did, but it seemed like that was a good time for black people to be born mm-hmm. for creativity, for reflection style, all of that, man. So, man, it was just it just seemed like it was a good time man. and just reading about it just like I said, man, it allows a young black boy like myself to just imagine, you know, so it has that. So, um, you know, I know what it means for us, you know, knowing these things, man, like, you know, how can these future generations like really build upon their own lives and to help shape their own lives by knowing these things? Like I said before, um, it used to be illegal for the black man and woman to learn how mm-hmm. to read or do math. So I think it's important for us to to be good at reading and to do it. And um, books help you imagine things and it helps mm-hmm. you dream. So without reading, where will you get your dreams from? Right. Mm-hmm. 
you know, comic books, you can dream about flying, um, dream about going to the moon. All of it is in a book. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to be a doctor, it's in a book. Everything mm-hmm. is in a book. Um, and that's why I think it's important for, for us to do. Just because um, it, it, we didn't have a privilege to, to, to do these things. When I think for me, I think knowing about these great black authors and things like that is good because... Not not even just knowing about them, just like experiencing their works. Mm-hmm. Um, like you know, I read comic books to kind of escape the the bounds of what it's practically possible in reality. Mm-hmm. But when I um read that that Black Panther book and then you know researched a little bit about um Ta-Nehisi, uh Coates and and reading about like how his childhood, how he came up like in the eighties, like mm-hmm. in Baltimore, um around like you know crack epidemic and stuff, you know. You know, right. he could have been lost to the streets, but his dad was a Black Panther, and he also was a librarian at Howard University, just so that his sons could go to Howard for free. So, like knowing Perfect. that, like the sacrifices that his father made, just so that he can be successful, and seeing that, you know, what blossomed from that those experiences, like knowing that, I think it's a it's a big key component that people can use. Like, hey, you know. I don't even have half of the adversity around me that he had to grow up in, and he's this successful. Think think about all the things that I can accomplish with the resources that I have around me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's a privilege and an honor to, you know, be able to read, like, all these wonderful stories that, you know, many of these authors created. And, um, I mean, by us, you know, not by us, but by the future generations, like, you know, reading that, I mean, it makes them, you know, have more confidence in themselves saying like I can you know go out here and write a poem or, or a book or something like that so um, I, I think it's always important to continue to build and, and push forward I mean I mean like they always say knowledge is power so absolutely um, you know one of the things that I like about all these um, these these black literary figures one there was always there was a thing that was always said about black people that to if you want to keep knowledge away from black people is to put it in a book. And I think these black authors and literary figures decided to take that on as a challenge. Not only am I going to put knowledge in my books, but I'm going to make sure to get it into my people's hands. Mm -hmm. And in a way, and in a way we have to do our part now, of course, by like we did, you know, we're doing, you know, preparing for these episodes that we went out and we did research. Um, and I think one of you spoke on this before, like we should just be doing research just because, you know, not, you know, in preparation, not because it's a holiday or, you know, for an assignment, but we really should study our people just because, I mean, cause like Clay was just saying, you know, these people going through what they went through and facing the adversity that they had to face. And yet they were still, renowned authors and poets and 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 movie writers and and everything and here we are with all the resources in the world at our fingertips there's no reason that we cannot and i believe we will but there's no reason that we cannot achieve an insurmountable you know amount of success um i mean for one we stand on the shoulders of giants but not only that our arms do stretch to the sky and mm-hmm. and really the sky is the limit it's just a matter of do we really want to get there right. at this point because you know 
those that came before us and, and I mean even those today that are laying down foundations for us I mean you have a lot of people today who are who are doing it for us not just the ones from 100 years ago um, so like they're setting us up for success we have to do our part and, and, and not be too prideful number one to stand on their shoulders because that's what they stood for they stood so that we can climb up and stand on their shoulders but we also have to be humble enough to say you know what when I get up there let me do the same thing. I want someone to stand on my shoulders and do, mm-hmm. and you know, and go far beyond what I right. ever did. So, I mean, like I said, man, I, I'm like Mazio, man. Like, it's an honor and a privilege to even be able to, you know, just glance through and, and be a part of their works. And you really do get to be a part of their poems and their stories and their movies and plays mm-hmm. and books just by engaging the book. Once you open the first page, man, you, you're taking a trip. And these figures were so great, man. Like, you literally get to take a trip. Whether it's emotional, mental, you know, or just imaginative, man. Like, it, it, it's really awesome, man. So, um, uh, again, I want to ask you guys, you know, what can we do or what have you done to really, you know, make sure that our youth are exposed to these same great things that we exposed ourselves to in preparation for this or just in our lives in general? What can we do? So I'm a firm believer that education starts at home first. Absolutely. Right. So I think um, you should start reading to your kids as soon as possible. right? Because if you wait until um, they get into elementary school, then they're going to be behind. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So education starts at home. So it's your job um, to read to your kids and it's your job to help your kids learn math. Mm -hmm. Um, So don't fail your kids because if your kids if your kids not doing in school good in school, you are the reason right you just mm-hmm. failed your kids right yeah i think it's important that we recognize when like you know our kids or cousins or you know family members have like a like affinity for like you know kids like good in math i think you should cultivate that mm-hmm. uh, even like you know for me like my cousin jaquez or even mazio's daughter madison I, they like superheroes and yeah. that's something that that i draw with so i've like I got a you know pretty big collection of comic books. I've given both of them like you know my comics. Like I know that's something that you enjoy and I enjoy it too. So I should try to share that with you, share that love with mm-hmm. you, and like let you let you in some of the stories that I like to to check out as far as like comic book wise goes. Right. Um. And so so piggyback on uh, Malcolm what, what he was saying. I mean yeah, it definitely starts at home. And I mean for example, you know for Madison. Um, I mean, we went over and like taught her ABCs and everything like that at a very early age. And I mean, she was able to recite her, her ABCs, numbers, colors, shapes and all that. And on top of the be- the best thing about it is she what she learned, she didn't know, but she was like teaching her brother that. So, you know, they he copied after her and right. now he's repeating the same thing. I mean, he's just turned two and he's able to count to like 20. Um, awesome. Yeah. So, um. And I mean, some, I'm not gonna say he can count all the way through. He like messes up from time, sometimes, sometimes right. or whatever. But but yeah, you got five year olds out here who can't count to twenty. So. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah. the thing is, what Clayton was saying, which I find remarkable about Madison, and I'm I'm bragging about her and put on the pedestal. But it's just like at her age, the the love she shows towards like you know superheroes and everything like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, just looking at her eyes and seeing how big it, it gets when she talks about like you know Captain America or Black uh, Black Panther or whatever, oh, and man. and. Oh man, but yeah, but then like for you know, for example, Black Panther, he's black, and and she gravitates to that. And it's like okay, well he's black just like me. But um, what I really want to say is just that whatever your your 
your kids, your your cousins, anybody, like anybody that's uh, in a younger generation, if you see that they have a strong passion towards something, uh, and m- make sure you you uh, push them towards that, and you know definitely try to help them uh, cultivate that and, and build that 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 itch that that drive. I mean, definitely push them towards uh, greater heights. So absolutely. Um, I mean, only thing I'll say on that man is like like I said before, man, reach one, teach one, okay. like. You, you you know your family members your friends kids your kids whatever the case is i mean you you start to see early on like where their passion lies man we have got to cultivate that right. um i mean like they like comments you know they like comic books man push that right. you know who who knows they may become the next uh they may become the next Stan Lee. They oh, yeah. may, you oh, know, yeah. develop a whole new superhero line outside of Marvel and DC, you know, that for characters that look like us that may be bigger than Marvel, you know. So, um, you know, definitely one of the things that, like I said, that I like, I, I love mathematics. So, like, when I have, like, little cousins and things like that that show an affinity for math, man, I challenge them. I'm like, I want you to be great. I want you to be better than me. So right. I'm going to give you everything that I have because that's all that I can do right. is give you all the knowledge that I have. And I want you to take that, be ahead of the curve, and I want you to go after more. Um, you know, same thing with literary figures. Um, you know, uh, my son, not so much into like poetry and things like that. But um, uh, actually, I'm jealous because my son is also not into superheroes. So he <laughs> said he and I quote, I don't like that superhero stuff. <laughs> that was so disappointing. I thought that would be the one thing we could share, um, you know, but one thing. So I, I, I know what he does like. He likes sports. So I turned him on to sports articles and books about sports figures. And he actually got into it to where he would sit down and read the book. And he was just like, Dad, did you know? And I was like, no, I didn't know. You know, but he sat down. He got into the stories. You know, he read about all these great, you know, sports figures. So I was like, look, at this point, he's reading. I don't care, you know, at that point. So like I said, man, reach one, teach one, you know, and, and, and give them that boost, man. Let them stand on your shoulders and do it proudly. So, um, you know, as we close out the night, I want to close out, um, with a poem, uh, uh, written by, um, Dr. Angelou. And this poem is actually like really relevant to life today. Um, it's, it's relevant to life today. And of course it was written back in the, it was written back in the day, but it's just an affirmation and it's an encouragement, you know, for us today. And some of you probably know this poem. You've probably heard it before. Um, but this is, um, still I rise by Dr. Maya Angelou. You may write me down in history with your bitter twisted lies. You may tread me in the very dirt, but still like dust, I'll rise. Does my sassiness upset you? Why are you beset with gloom? Cause I walk like I've got oil wells pumping in my living room. Just like moons and like suns with the certainty of tides. Just like the hopes springing high, still I'll rise. Did you want to see me broken, bold head and lowered eyes? Shoulders falling down like teardrops weakened by my soulful cries. Does my haughtiness offend you? Don't you take it awfully hard? Cause I laugh like I've got gold mines digging in my own backyard. You shoot me with your words. You may cut me with your eyes. Um, You may kill me with your hatefulness, but still like air, I'll rise. Does my sexiness upset you? Does it come as a surprise that I dance like I've got diamonds at the meeting of my thighs? 
Out of the huts of history's shame, I rise. Up from a past that's rooted in pain, I'll rise. I'm a black ocean, leaping and wide, welling and swelling, I bear in the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise. Into a daybreak that's wondrously clear, I rise. Bringing the gifts that my ancestors gave, I am the dream, I am the hope of the slave. I rise, I rise, and I rise. This has been another episode of the After 29 Podcast. Until next time. Peace. 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 All right, guys. Just want to take a sec to say thank you for tuning into this week's episode. Please continue to support by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at After 29 Podcast. Please share with your family and friends. And don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. Also, make sure you tune in every Tuesday for a new episode of the After 29 Podcast. Peace.